Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for tuning in to this podcast. We've got a great guest today. I can't wait to get to her. Another troublemaker. Yes, love him. Father in heaven, thank you for giving us a voice. Thank you for this platform where we can reach people not only on the radio, but through the podcast around the country and even around the world, Lord, we pray that you would get your truth out there, that truth would prevail. We know that in the end, truth wins. We thank you that Jesus is the truth, and we can know you, Lord, the one true living God, the only living God. And we thank you, God, for giving us strength for the day, our daily bread. We praise you for our protection and provision, your provision in our lives. You are so faithful, Lord. For those who are overwhelmed right now, For those who are struggling, we ask that you would encourage them. For those who need to be challenged in their faith, maybe they've been lukewarm, maybe they've been falling away from God, Lord, bring them back to you. And Lord, for those who need to repent, we ask that you would work in their hearts, convict their hearts in the name of Jesus. Help us, as our guest is going to say in a little while, help us to uh, get off the bench and into the game. And help us to stir the remnant of believers who are unashamed of the gospel. And we pray that your will would be done, that you would use us, the talents and abilities that that we have, that you've given us. God, help us to use them to further the kingdom and to defend the truth and expose the darkness. We love you. We commit this day to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, we are blessed to have back with us the busy mom, Heidi St. John, and she's an author, speaker. She's been very active in the homeschooling movement, discussing marriage, family, cultural issues for over 15, 16 years. She's got a podcast. Her and her husband, Jay, are homeschooling parents. They live just outside of Vancouver, Washington, and she joins us from the left coast this morning. Heidi St. John, welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. Hey, David. I'm glad to be here. I don't like it when you call the left coast, though. It gives me kind of a yucky feeling. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you would know better than most. I know you have a lot of issues with um, uh, the progressive policies that seem to permeate governments there from California up to Oregon and, of course, in Washington. Just a little update on your state, Washington, uh, what's going on there. I know you've spoken very openly about your uh, disagreements with the policies of uh, your emperor. Uh, So share what's going on, and then I want to get an update on your ministry. Yeah, so we live in probably, you know, one of the states that's under the most draconian in terms of lockdowns. Our restaurants here are still closed for the most part, although the king did say the other day, uh, hallelujah, that People could dine indoors at 25% capacity as long as all the doors and windows of the restaurant were open. Hmm. So now you can go into a restaurant, and as long as you're freezing to death and the uh, the wind is blowing inside the restaurant, because, you know, it's winter here now, so it's 41 degrees and raining and sometimes there's snow in the air or whatever. But now all the restaurants can have, you know, a meager 25% capacity. And apparently the Rona will only get you if they close the doors and keep the heat inside. Hmm. So, uh, so that's happening. And then uh, the other thing that's interesting is these, a lot of these restaurants there, they've asked them to check the CO2 levels. So the CO2 level inside the restaurant has to match the CO2 level of the outside, which, as you know, is very hard to do. And so some of the restaurants can never get their CO2 levels to, to mimic that of the rain-soaked earth right now. And so they just can't open. It's, it's amazing. We've wow. had, uh, we, we've just elected King Inslee again, who's already in the process of enacting the most radical sex education in the nation. Well, actually, that's not true. Right next to California. Uh, so that's coming. It's just, it's very, very sad here. We, we watch businesses in real time. We're watching people lose their jobs. Uh, close their businesses forever 
And uh, it's very sad to watch. I mean, he literally is going to bankrupt the state. Hmm. And uh, he's using his power really as a tyrant and not as someone who cares about the people. And they're doing it under the what's crazy is they're doing it under the guise of caring about human life, which we know isn't true. Because any any uh, government that would rip an unborn child from its mother's womb, uh, the most helpless among us, these people do not care about our health. And you will never convince me that they do. So Hmm. it's sad. It is very sad here right now. Well, I know a lot of states, friends that are listening from different states around the country, blue state governors are in similar battles. I've talked to friends that are in churches, their pastor, or I've talked to pastors that have had on the air. They're involved in court cases now with their governors who are fining, the the, uh, states are fining some churches. We'll get to that in just a little bit. We'll talk about uh, how churches responded to the coronavirus, because we haven't had you on since last summer. So we also want to talk about that from a church perspective, how we did. Did the, did the church pass the COVID test? But before we do that, Heidi, just give us an update on your ministry and what you've been doing. You mentioned something new that you guys started up uh, before we got on the air here. Yeah, so we started, my husband and I did uh, a couple of years ago, the Homeschool Resource Center here in Vancouver, Washington. It was amazing. About five years ago, I really just, the Lord just sort of impressed it upon my heart that we needed to have a homeschool resource center, that that we needed to become a lighthouse for homeschooling families. And so Jay and I, you know, took it to the Lord and the Lord in his incredible provision, because God provides. And I think people need to, who are listening to this, who have a dream or they, they, they see a need, but they just don't see provision for it. Uh, God always provides. He always provides for the visions that he gives us. And he said, uh, you guys would be a lighthouse. And um, it's a long story, so I'll shorten it for you. But there was an area businessman who heard what we wanted to do and donated uh, a 27,000 square foot building to us right in the heart of the city. And we're serving just under 700 families right now because the schools are also not open here. And so people are pulling their children out of school. We know that um, that the online schooling is just a joke. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Homeschool Resource Center is serving these families, and we're helping parents help their kids finish their education. And it's really amazing to watch. Just people will come in, and they will look around. We have a coffee shop in there that's just bustling, a little bookstore. Yeah, we're doing classes. I can't remember how many. It's hundreds of classes that are being offered right now, everything from uh, crafting to the Constitution. And uh, mm. it's amazing to watch. People will come in and they'll literally start crying. Happens every single day. What? And uh, it's just, it's uh, it's amazing to see when the Lord said, huh. you know, do it now. And we obeyed. We just had no idea, like Joseph in that dream, that there were, you know, years of famine coming. And the Lord has prepared us for it. So that's been a joy to watch. Wow, that's so neat. Um, Heidi, I do want to go back and, and talk about um, things that the church could have been doing all this time. I mean, we've almost been locked down for a year, it, some yeah. some states worse than others. Um, it is my observation that I think the church failed the COVID test, and what I mean by that is we kind of let fear get the best of us. I mean, we're human, but the Bible says fear not more than almost any other thing, and we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, and yet uh, Christians have kind of been very concerned about the virus and there's one thing to use caution, take precautions, and use wisdom. And there's another thing to be fearful and afraid. We should not have a fear of death. But this has played into how the church has responded. And some churches are still closed, which is astounding to me. So I would love to sh- for you to share your thoughts on how you saw the church responding. We missed some opportunities to minister to the lost and the hopeless people who are fearful out there in the world because of this virus when we ourselves were dealing with our own issues. Well, we, I would, you know, if we were going to grade it, <laughs> uh, I'd give the church an F. Mm. You know, we we massively failed this test, and we're still failing it here in Washington State. Many, I would say, most of the churches are still not open, or if they are open, they're following the uh, the emperor's mandate that we may not sing. Wow. Um, and like he actually issued a decree. It's it's insane. He actually said, you know, go ahead and open. You can have you know twenty five percent capacity, and you can't sing, and you have to wear a mask, and you can have two people up. You could have a soloist up on stage and a uh, what a single instrumentalist, but you can't have more than two people up on the stage. Uh, it's just, what? and the church was like, well, okay, I guess, <laughs> you know, we won't open anymore. And they've forgotten 
that we are the children of God. You know, Hebrews ten twenty five. do not forsake the gathering is somewhere in the habit of doing. But even more, as you see the day approaching, and David, we, we see the day approaching, the church age coming to an end. And we know that the rapture of the Lord Jesus is imminent. And what is the church doing? We've closed our doors for a virus with a 99.9% survival rate. And it's a shameful moment for the church. Uh, you know, missing an opportunity. We are the, We are supposed to be the shining city on a hill. We are supposed to be the ones who are saying, do not fear. Uh, and God will protect you. And I think you're right. We're not, I'm not denying that there's a virus. I understand that. Mm-hmm. I think it's fascinating to watch how there's literally no more flu and no more pneumonia. Uh, <laughs> brain tumors have just almost disappeared. People with brain tumors dying from the Rona. It's amazing. Uh, but the church has missed an opportunity, and we have demonstrated an incredible lack of discernment. And uh, I think, you know, those churches that have stayed open— and my husband and I obviously attend one. My son-in-law is a, is a pastor at a church here that is absolutely open. These churches are tripling and quadrupling in their numbers because we've got church refugees now looking for people who are looking for answers and yes. they're looking for hope. And the church is that place. Yes. The church is supposed to be offering that hope. And so I think this is a, you know, I remember at the very, very beginning of this, talking to one of my friends who's a pastor and just saying, if you do not open your doors you will weep at your indifference. Mm. You will look back on this time, and you will weep at your inability to hear from the Lord and obey His Word in a time of crisis. And I believe, and you know, you knew I was going to say this, David, but I think things are going to get very difficult for the church. And having failed the first test, I hope it wakes up the remnant, and we don't continue failing the tests that are coming. I agree with you, and it's it's kind of on the remnant to make up for the rest of the church that is either in fear, not attending services, or they're not out ministering or doing what God called the church to do. Um, So yes, we are in full agreement there. It was so disappointing going back to last Easter, the Christian holy day of the year, and churches were closed, so we could not even get the gospel. You have to wonder what the Lord was doing. Mm. You know, what what is God in heaven as he watches, particularly of free people, you know, the people of the United States and the people yes. of Europe who have been given incredible uh, freedom to worship the Lord as we've squandered that freedom. And like I said, for a virus with a 99.9% survival rate. You know, I understood it in the very, very beginning, in the first couple of weeks of COVID, when we were expecting, you know, we were expecting something out of a, a horror movie, you know, people dropping dead in the grocery stores and people lying dead on the side of the road and they're not, there's not enough body bags and not enough PPE. It became very clear quickly that that was not going to happen. And at that point, people sort of, you know, we should have started thinking for ourselves, but instead we listened to the fear-mongering media who has weaponized and politicized this virus. And frankly, I think that's what it was engineered to do. Yes. And so uh, it was a, it was a fail on the part of the church. But like I said, I think that there's a, a remnant that the churches here that are open are thriving. I had the opportunity to speak for Jack Hibbs at, at Calvary Chapel, Tino Hills. Those guys have 10,000 people there every weekend. And they're growing, and the church is thriving and ministering to the community. Why? Because they didn't close their doors. Because they trusted God, and mm-hmm. they obeyed His Word instead Amen. of the edict of men. And that's the job of a Christian. Amen. Heidi, let me ask you, what you just shared, we love Jack Hibbs. We, he's one of the pastors we look to, and we actually have him. Uh, he has a program on our radio station. Um, why haven't we seen body bags? Why haven't we seen people dropping and dying at these churches who are open and having so many people attend? Why haven't we seen the the massive deaths of people from Costco to Home Depot to Walmart to grocery stores? Why haven't we seen uh, an employee turnover because of all the death in these stores, the the employees dying from COVID because we're not reasoning anymore. We're not using our common sense. This is aside from even the Bible. This is aside from politics. This is just looking and saying, wait a minute. If this virus is so deadly and we are to fear it, then how come these people aren't affected or don't seem to be affected? Not that it can't affect someone at Walmart, Home Depot, or Jack Hibbs Church, or other churches that are open and acting normally, but it just the numbers, it doesn't add up. Can you explain that? Well, I think that the explanation, I mean, you just said it, the explanation is, is actually very simple. We've been lied to. And and I've, I've been saying for months and months, I mean, I probably started saying this in April, I started saying, people, open your eyes. This is not about a virus. 
I, I continue to believe that the whole point of this was to uh, the only way that they could figure out to get President Trump out of office was to frighten the American populace, who now we have uh, discovered very painfully so that we will give up our liberty for a false sense of safety. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're seeing happening. And the, when, when people say to me, why didn't we see people dropping in the streets? My answer is there was never going to be people dropping dead in the streets. They just told us that that was going to happen. We've seen the hypocrisy. There's another way that you, that you can know that this was a lie and weapon. Again, I'm not denying the virus exists. I know that it exists. Thanks. I know it's dangerous. Yeah. I had a very good friend of mine, uh, in, a young mom, actually, in her 30s, end up in the ICU uh, 25 weeks pregnant with COVID, but she also had pneumonia. Mm. So lots of different, you know, I'm not denying the virus, but I'm saying there have always been viruses. When in the history of our nation have we ever shuttered the country for a virus? Even for SARS, we didn't do it. We didn't do it for Ebola. And this is no Ebola. Mm-hmm. We didn't do it for SARS. It's, uh, you know, for people just to look around and see the hypocrisy of their leaders, uh, Governor Newsom in California, one of the worst governors in the entire nation, uh, he's running a, a distant, uh, a distant second, in my opinion, to my governor. Um, but he was seen at French Laundry in the middle of the pandemic, doing exactly what he told the people was illegal to do. He wasn't social distancing, wasn't wearing a mask. He was hanging out with people that weren't in his own family. And yet, the serfs, the ordinary people, the people that are paying their taxes and who pay that dude's salary, they're losing their jobs. Yep. Uh, this is wrong on a hundred different levels. It is. And uh, Americans need. I mean, I'm always telling people, you know. Stop complying to these illegal, ridiculous mandates. If your own leaders can't follow their own uh, instructions, clearly they're lying to you. Governor Newsom's not afraid. If he was afraid, he'd stay home, but he's not afraid. And why isn't he afraid? Does he know something we don't know? Well, maybe he's read the box on the mask that says, hey, the mask doesn't work. You know, and so to me, the, the hypocrisy of our leaders, that's always where I start. I'll look and see, what are these guys doing? When we see Fauci... Father Fauci, you know, at a at a game and his mask is down and he's sitting with people that aren't his own family. He's not social distancing. But then he gets on the news and says, you know, wear a mask, stay home. Now he's saying double mask, yep. triple mask is triple. better. Yeah. Why not just put the whole box on your face and maybe then we won't have to listen to you. I don't know. But it's, uh, <laughs> it's a very, I mean, this is a troubling, we are looking right now at a, at a generation several generations, in fact, of people who have been brainwashed by the media who mm-hmm. will listen to whatever they put on CNN, and we've lost our critical thinking skills. You know, and I'm over here, you know, been homeschooling seven children for 25 years, and I've started telling people, you know, why are you homeschooling? I always tell them, because I'm trying not to raise communists. That's why. You know, I want them to think for themselves, and the American mm-hmm. people have got to start looking around at our leaders and saying, why is it, why is, you know, we're supposed to do the opposite of what you're doing? That's not right. Yeah, I agree. It sounds like an exaggeration what you just said, but uh, there's um, something like 70 percent of young people today endorse the policies of what they call socialism. And they're willing to vote for a Bernie Sanders who's a oh, oh, he's a Democrat socialist, Heidi. So that's not really a socialist. By the way, thank you for wearing your T-shirt and putting that on your Facebook page. Socialism sucks. We shared that. And it always stirs up conversation. But, you know, 50 years ago, this would be a joke. We wouldn't even be talking about this as a threat. But what you just said, you don't want to raise communists. But what kind of what are they learning about our history in the public schools? Are they learning about the dangers of communism and socialism? We only have a minute and a half left, but, it, but I would like for you to just take that thought a little bit further. Well, I think parents need to, if your kids are still in the public school, I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, the Titanic is sinking. The barn is on fire. When do you get the animals out of the barn? Uh, the, the schools are teaching something called the 1619 Project. They're basically erasing our history, mm-hmm. telling our, our students that we are inherently racist. Uh, we are not. We are one of the least racist nations on the face of the earth. Are, is there racism in our country? Absolutely. Are we a racist nation? No. no. And they're teaching this in our children uh, to our children. They're teaching your children in the public schools to hate this country and to hate the authority that is uh, given to them by God, their parents. I mean, you've got an 80% chance. You put your kids in a public school right now, you've got an 80% chance that when they come out on the other end of the indoctrination pipeline, they're going to hate the country. They're going to think we're racist. They're going to embrace socialism and Marxism. Uh, Marxism really just a violent form of socialism. And you're right. 50 years ago, I, we, would, we would say the word socialism and a hush would come over the room. Now we're voting for it on purpose. 
it's amazing to me, and this is happening because of the indoctrination that has been in our schools for generations, which isn't hiding anymore. Right. And we can talk about critical race theory. We yep. can talk about, you know, all the things that are doing in the schools right now. Parents need to pull their children out of public schools. This is an emergency. Do it today. Thank you. Heidi St. John, the busy mom. We've got to take a break, but when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about what happened last summer and the Black Lives Matter, the global network that's funded by socialists and other radicals. We'll also talk about the connection between moral relativism and transgender ideology. And is Heidi St. John really a dangerous fascist? More on Stand Up For The Truth when we come back. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. We're with Heidi St. John this morning, and before we get to the transgender ideology and the spread of that, like uh, talk about a serious virus that's spreading throughout America— um, I just got this this morning, Heidi. The CDC is very concerned. It's Super Bowl weekend, and they are telling people to avoid cheering during the Super Bowl. <laughs> they are urging. No, I'm serious. This is actually true. They're urging. They're they're urging, <laughs> urging virtual gatherings rather than physical parties. And here are a couple bullet points. And then I I would love for you to respond. Bring your own food, drinks, plates, cups, utensils, and condiment packet. Wear a mask indoors and outdoors. Avoid shouting cheering loudly or singing, and then they say, instead, clap, stomp your feet, or whatever else you can do to make noise. Heidi, your thoughts. This is the CDC now. Oh, my. I can't even with these people. Honestly, but when I hear when I hear bring your own uh, silverware and your own condiments, I think every mother on the planet is like, yes, finally, bring your own stuff, clean up after your own self, don't leave a mess in my house. Did they say that, too? They should have. They should have also said, "Please clean up after yourself. Your host will greatly appreciate it. If you could bring your own vacuum cleaner, that'd be great too. Uh, make sure you help us with the dishes. You know, when when they say stomp and clap your hands, I just I I, I think in my back in Sunday school because I'm pretty sure that's a song we sang yeah, in Sunday school. That's right. You know, this is not what they're doing is uh, squashing the American spirit. Listen, I'm no fan of the NFL. Um, you know, when they started kneeling for the national anthem and started ta- calling people racist and became political, I stopped watching football. I was mm. like, listen, NFL to Heidi St. John stands for no fans left. The only reason I'm not completely condemning it is because my favorite people in the whole wide world, the Kansas City Chiefs, are their people and they're in the Super Bowl this year. So I'm trying not to be too, too hard on them. But this idea that somehow the CDC... Uh, are the arbiters of truth. When did we make them the arbiters of truth? These guys are basically a vaccine company. If you look them up, if you do your homework on the roots of the CDC, uh, they've got a vested interest in the vaccine. Uh-huh, yep. So to me, uh, when they say, when they, when they say uh, don't cheer, I'm going to cheer louder. You know, when they say don't have people to your house for Christmas, I'm going to have people to my house for Christmas. Uh, I, we we refuse to let the CDC tell us when we can and cannot gather. You know, this is when did we stop listening to our mother? She said, if you feel sick, stay in bed and I'll make you some chicken soup. If you feel sick, don't go out. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you're sick, stay home. Wash your hands. All those kinds of things. This is common sense. What you're seeing happen and what I'm seeing happening with the CDC and with the government right now is called fear mongering. And uh, it doesn't allow you to use your your brain. And actually, I'm watching a lot of people, ordinary people, Christians, in fact, who are terrified of the virus. And I just want to say, why weren't you terrified of Ebola? Why haven't we done this for others? There are lots of reasons for us to be terrified, but the Rona isn't one of them. We're a year into this now. And Mm -hmm. rather than using again, we're back to common sense again. And I think we're being controlled by fear. They They have realized it's very easy to scare people and very hard to unscare them. Yes. And so they want us in this perpetual state of fear, which is what the Bible speaks about over and over again. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Uh, fear is the opposite of faith. When we're afraid, we have a hard time. Look what happened, uh, you know, to the disciples when they got afraid, right? Peter, afraid, trying to trying to walk across uh, the, the, uh, the water to the Lord. What happened when he took his eyes off of Jesus? And that's what we're doing. We're taking our eyes off the Lord, the author and the finisher of our faith, and we're listening to men. And uh, again, if people were dropping dead in the street, I would be like, yes, stay home for the love. But that's not what's happening. Instead, what they're doing is the mom and pop businesses are going under 
and the box stores like Walmart and Lowe's and Home Depot are doing just fine. Well, why is that? Why are why why haven't we have seen uh, the Walmart workers? You know, I keep I keep hearing you know uh, we've got all these heroes, the frontline workers. I'm like, dude, the frontline workers are at Walmart because you know that people that are going to Walmart are not washing their hands. They're not. I watched them. <laughs> so I'm just to me the hypocrisy is stunning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've said I said you know a couple of months ago, when are we going to close down the box stores and give the mom and pop uh, people a chance at making a living? When's that going to happen? None of this makes sense to me. I think it has, you know, we we could talk forever about um, the the giant, the reset that they're trying to do right now, what just happened in Davos, Switzerland. Uh, these yeah. are globalists who I think want to shut down our country, bring us to our knees, and then come in and say, we're here to save the day. We've got a, a, a one world government for you. We've got a new currency for you. And it looks like the American people will go, oh, sounds like a good idea. Mm. Yeah, the Great Reset. If we have time, we can touch on that. Or we can circle back to that, right, Heidi, uh, if we have time. Um, the Federalist, Joy Pullman, came out with a great article, 10 Steps for Resisting Joe Biden's Order to Transgender Public Schools. It's not only about transgendering schools, it's about rejecting an identity politics regime that's at war with our American constitutional government and the self-governing way of life it requires. So, Heidi, one question before we get into the transgender ideology and what's happening now. People, people are being censored for just saying a biological male is a male. Just your thoughts on are we, is there any going back? It seems like in the first couple months or so, a year ago, of the, the coronavirus and all the people took sides. And it seems like people made up their minds is there any hope of going back now? Are we just going to continue to let government do restrictions and ordinances and mandates, and we're just going to have to follow because not enough people are resisting? Well, I I am, you know, to me, hope springs eternal in Heidi St. John's for this country. I love this country, and I, I refuse to just, you know, curl up in a fetal position and say, well, I guess it's over. Hmm. Are we gonna, Do we have hard times ahead of us? Absolutely, we do. Uh, there's no question about it because we have elected probably one of the most tyrannical uh, administrations to ever be in the White House. And I think they're going to do I think they're going to do terrible damage. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's the end. And I don't think that uh, I don't think it's beyond repair. The system still works if we'll engage. Uh, you know, we, we've got to root out voter fraud. We've got to figure out, you know, get away from, oh, my goodness, mailing ballots and all these things. But I don't think it's beyond repair. I think this is an opportunity for people to engage and to get off the bench and onto the battlefield to run for, you know, their, their local water district, run for school board. We need men and women of courage and conviction to ascend to positions of authority in the country. And the left in this country, the progressives in particular, have been scratching and clawing their way into these positions for 50 years yep. and when the republicans get into power we you know we host dinner parties and congratulate ourselves when the left gets into power they do things they get things done yes it's amazing to me we watched you know in 2016 when trump took the white house we had the house and the senate and we did nothing wow nothing it's shameful these guys need to be uh, voted out mm-hmm. run out of town on a rail and people you know re- republicans who are willing to get into the battle and to engage need to begin to run for office and start to affect policy. I don't think it's over. I think we're in for tough times. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that in 2022, there's a red wave in this country like we've never seen, and not just a red wave, a Christian red wave. Amen. You know, people who are willing to say, we believe that God is who he says he is. This this lie of transgenderism, amazing to me, coming from a leftist who've been accusing Christians for years and years and years. You know, you guys are, you're science deniers. Why? Because we wanted to be, say that an unborn human being was a human being. And they, for that, they called us science deniers. Yep. And these are the same people that will tell us to deny what we see with our own eyes, to deny that, uh, that men cannot menstruate. I mean, now they'll take you off Facebook for saying that. It's ridiculous. Uh, and these are people now who are going to—I think of Romans when the Apostle Paul talked about a great delusion that would fall over. You know, God saying, listen, you're going to do that. I'm going to give you over to your own debased thinking. Mm. If you're not going to listen to me, I'm going to turn you over to yourself. And this is the result of that. And so Christians need to stand in the gap. People who can say, no, I mean, the emperor has no clothes. We know, David, that men cannot be women. It does not matter how many surgeries you have, how many hormones you take. You cannot alter your DNA. And it is a crime against humanity, particularly where children are concerned, 
that we would deny their own biology so that we can be woke, so that we can say, look how forward thinking we are. Look how amazing. I have a friend who works for a, uh, a hospital in the Portland area and a clinic rather. And all they do is uh, gender transition surgeries. And uh, I met her at an event that I did and she came up to me weeping because she's a surgical nurse, needed a job. They hired her in this clinic and she said, Heidi, I can't do it anymore. You know, she said, we're taking the breasts off of healthy uh, 16 year old girls on a regular basis. She had a a 24 year old woman go in last week and undergo a hysterectomy Mm. because she's struggling with gender dysphoria and thinks she's a man. Where these people are criminals, they just sterilize this woman who needs to be treated for mental illness and loved and told you are loved just the way you are, just the way you are. You are precious in the sight of God, and He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And instead, we are embracing her mental illness and we are doing physical harm on top of the mental harm that she is already suffering. It is criminal, in my opinion, and needs to be illegal. I believe it is, too, and it is based on moral relativism, the idea that there is no God as creator of male and female. And this is the foundational thing. The Church has to get back into some influence here and truth-proclaiming and defending. So let's go to this study, Heidi. It just came out, I think it was Barna, 74% of Generation Z now embrace moral relativism. Um, because of this transgender debate, Twitter censored another Christian organization for referring to a biological male as a male. And there's a connection here. Teach kids. Actually, let me talk about what, they're, what they actually believe. So young adults are believing that truth can change, and so can the meaning of what it is to be a man, what it is to be a woman. Um, so this is what's happening in the public schools. It should be alarming to us, 74% of young adults down to 12 years old, at least according to this recent research and survey, somewhat agree with the notion that what is morally right and wrong changes over time based on society. Heidi, your thoughts? Well, first of all, you know, anytime we go away from the truth of of the Bible— we're going to wind up with this, right? Because we exchange the truth of God for a lie. The Bible says, you know, God said, I am the Lord your God. I do not change. There's no shifting shadow with him. He has created us in his image. The Bible says we have been created in the image of God, male and female. He did not say, I've created you in my image, male and female and other. He did not say that. And whenever we move away from the truth of God's word, as a Christian, we need to stand upon it. That is the truth that we stand on. Now, the culture is going to tell you that you're backward and you're upside down and you're not forward thinking and you're not very woke. And uh, they're going to try to criticize you and malign you. But the truth is the principles that are laid out in the word of God work. They are life-giving, life-affirming. I mean, for goodness sake, you can talk about almost anything that we are dealing with in the culture right now and make a biblical case for why that will never work. It's just uh, socialism is a great example. You know, the Bible talks about go to the ant, O slugger, you know, consider her ways and be wise. Hmm. And there, there's really nothing that's happening in the culture right now that God's Word does not address. And a lot of people will just say, well, that's common sense. Unfortunately, we're teaching our young, our young people to believe that truth is relative. And we can thank Oprah Winfrey for giving this a huge boost in the 80s, you know, when she started talking about your truth. Do you remember that, David? Absolutely. She was saying, we need to embrace our truth. And I remember at the time thinking, because I was in high school, I remember thinking, that's weird. I didn't know I had my truth. I thought there was just the truth. <laughs> well, we know there's only one truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. We know there's only one truth. There's, there, It's either true or it isn't. And when people start telling our children to embrace moral relativism, my truth is your truth, your truth is your truth, what we will wind up with is no truth at all. And this is where Christians need to stand in the gap, because we have what the whole world is looking for. We have Jesus. And he says, come to me, and I'm going to give you the answers that you need. I'm going to give you rest for your weary souls. People are weary right now, and they're hurting, and they're not going to find the answers in Father Fauci. They're going to find them uh, in the principles of God's Word and in embracing the truth of His Word. And Christians need to stop saying, you know, someone said to me the other day, you've got to stop bringing your faith to the public square. Oh. And I thought, boy, if faith doesn't belong in the public square, I don't know where it belongs. Uh, we need it in wow. the public square more than we've ever needed it. This country was founded 
on Christian principles, on Judeo-Christian values and principles, and we need to get back to that, and we need to do it in a hurry. Yeah, what's salt and light? We are supposed to be preserving our culture and shining the light of Christ. And anyway, um, I want to mention what uh, the Daily Citizen, uh, it's a publication to focus on the family. They were banned on Twitter. Uh, They suspended their account. Why? Because here's what they tweeted about this, you know, man that that Biden appointed, the Secretary of Health and his administration. His name is now Rachel Levine, and they tweeted this. Dr. Levine is a transgender woman, that is, a man who believes he is a woman. It, yep. Is that factual? Is that biologically accurate? Well, Twitter suspended their account, and they also suspended the account of the Catholic World Report, who said something very similar to that about Biden's appointment. Heidi, we've only got two minutes left in this segment, but you were recently— um, in Facebook jail, I'm sure you've been suspended on Twitter as well, possibly. But uh, what yep. what were some of the things that you said that they you know, had issue with that they blocked you or took you off, put you in Facebook jail? Well, the last thing they removed me for was <laughs> I took issue with PETA. Talk. Have you seen this? Uh, PETA's telling people that there's such a thing as speciesism now. Oh no! And so PETA came on and said, you know, we need to stop telling people, you know, telling our children, don't keep your room like a pig. This looks like a pigsty. Because that is disrespectful to the pig. And that tells the pig that we think as people that we are in a higher position uh, in living living things than the pig. Oh, Lord. Well, how do we know that we are in a higher position than the pig? Aside from the fact that we can just look at them and go, you're an animal, I'm a human being. So I said, I said, I shared a post and I said, this is wrong. There is no such thing as speciesism. This is foolishness and uh facebook took me down for bullying oh, i thought i was bullying bullying and, uh, yeah yeah and i know that the uh the pigs were offended oh and so the, the pigs called and turned me in <laughs> oh my goodness this I is i have to laugh now i have oh. to laugh because uh facebook i mean i hope they go the way of myspace yes you know, and we don't ever in 10 years from now people are going remember facebook that was weird they were really popular at one point now nobody goes you know nobody's using it well i think I a lot, that's what happened well i think a lot of people are still going to use it as a, it's going to be a progressive or a liberal you know democrat echo chamber and a lot of conservatives will go on there i'm still i'm going to stay on there until they kick me off or delete my account because i'm going to hopefully speak the truth hopefully get people to think about what's going on in the country and how the church is responding. And if they delete me, then I'll, I'll be on these other outlets, which we can talk about these uh, social media alternatives. But uh, American Girl releases its first doll with an LGBT storyline, and it reflects the realities of the times. Also, we will get to the accusations that Heidi St. John is a dangerous fascist. And America the Beautiful, you're in trouble. More on Stand Up For The Truth in just a minute. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Heidi St. John is our guest. And Heidi, before we get to these uh, two topics here, um, you've got a podcast that you regularly do. Tell us a little bit about that and some of your recent guests and topics. Yeah, so I have a podcast that airs five days a week called um, Off The Bench with Heidi St. John. And today, actually, and yesterday, my friend Rick Green is on the show with me today. He's the founder of Patriot Academy and the Constitution Coach. Hmm. And we're talking about what's happening in the country. And uh, and I I mean, I'm interested in everything. So the tagline for my podcast is meeting uh, meeting you at the intersection of faith and culture and believing that uh, we should be in that space, that Christians need to be engaged in the culture, not running from it. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, we're excited. We just hit the top 60 podcasts on Apple in awesome. um, spirituality and uh, religion. So we're excited about that, getting about a million downloads a month right now. So uh, it's got a pretty wide audience, and I like to talk about everything. So, yeah, five days a week that podcast airs. And they can get that at HeidiStJohn.com? Yep, or any place that podcasts, any, uh, basically any uh, podcast provider. So you can get it on iTunes. But, yes, absolutely, my website um, HeidiStJohn.com. We also started MomStrong International, which is uh, doing Bible studies every month for women and engaging them in the truth and helping uh, teach women how to teach the next generation what the truth is and how to mm. defend it. Amen. I appreciate people like you, Heidi, that are out there trying to do something about what's going on to get the church back engaged because we kind of backed out of culture in a way and that people have bought the lie 
separation of church and state. That's one of the biggest lies. Next to evolution, that is one of the yep. biggest lies America has ever bought hook and sinker. Or I think that's the, is it hook, line, and sinker? Yes, all three. Hook, line, and sinker, yep. yes. We bought it. And so now it's time to, to get back into being the salt and light. So you've been accused of being a dangerous fascist. I bring this up for many reasons, but one, a lot of us are being accused of something by the left, yep. by the Democrat media, by the conglomerate big tech uh, fascists who are censoring us, by just people in our culture, whether they be LGBT advocates or pro-choice uh, advocates. They are accusing us of being uh, fascists or, or hateful, intolerant. So one of the reasons I ask you this is how do we respond? Uh, a transgender recently uh, wrote something, I believe, on her blog that you are a dangerous fascist. It, she says you accumulated a, a cult following and among bigoted evangelical homeschooling moms, and you, she calls you a priestess of the cult of Donald Trump, preying <laughs> on white people's naive fears. You champion far-right conspiracy theories that are nearly identical to the Nazis. And she calls you paranoid... Uh, militant, anti-socialist, anti-queer bigot. I'm, I'm amazed she couldn't fit another few descriptors in there. Uh, I might feel a little sorry for the tremendous amount of baseless fear she lives under, meaning you. Um, and then she ends by saying, the people that follow you and are, agree with you, we are nothing but selfish and privileged cowards whose fragile sense of identity and belonging rely on the subjugation of others. Please respond, Heidi. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, I, whenever whenever people get on my page like that, I just want to say, don't, wait, wait, don't tell me, let me guess, you went to college. You were a college student, right? Because you can hear, you can hear the woke professors talking about uh, the, the bigoted, you know, fascists, and they're, they're, you know, how many adjectives can you use? Do you notice that she never uses logic a single time? Right. The only thing these people have going for them is name calling. That's it. Accusation. So they're going to call you every name in the book because they've lost the argument. When you lose the argument, you descend into name calling. And when they start that way, you know, here's a person telling me that I have, uh, I've got a mental problem and I'm paranoid. This is a person who's not comfortable in their own body and have decided to transition away from their own biology mm. and uh, do irreparable harm to their body. And so... You know, this happens to me all the time, and I think people need to, a couple of different things on Facebook for sure. Uh, I don't engage with people like this anymore because there's really no point. Yep. Um, most of the time, and in fact, you know, I obviously haven't gotten to this person yet, but most of the time I'll just get on there and ban and delete them off my page. Because there's, there's uh, what, they, what they're doing is trying to, uh, you know, raise your blood pressure, get you to engage, get you to say something that you will regret because inevitably people get angry. And I just will usually say a prayer for him and just delete him off my page. And I think that has to be really the attitude of people. You know, if you think you're going to get into a fight with these guys, just don't even do it because you, you're, not going to, you're not going to change their mind. When it comes to social media, and I think this is really important, David, you were just talking about you staying on until they kick you off. I think that's the right attitude. People who are like you and me, who are producers of news and producers of content and who are Christians need to stay on these platforms as long as we can. Yep. If you're a consumer, mm. I think it is time to leave. Yeah. If you're a consumer of news, if you're just there to consume, find a platform that stands for freedom and liberty and let the people who are producers of news stay in there as uh, sort of the last bastions of freedom until we're no longer able to produce news and produce content. As soon as I cannot produce content anymore, I will leave Facebook but I think, you know, getting on there and talking to people, the attitude needs to be, it's very, very simple. When we, when we see that this is happening, our job is not to try to reach the people who are obviously there just to be, what, you know, trolls or to argue. When we make a case, we're trying to talk to the people and persuade the people who are on the fence. It's the fence sitters that we're trying to reach. Yes. You know, uh, it was that the Apostle Paul said, when you reach a town and you realize they're not listening to you, what do you do? You shake the dust off your feet and you move on. Amen. And so when we're on these platforms and people, you know, on the regular, you know, I get called all kinds of names, you know, every single day. I have my life threatened on there. <clears throat> it's amazing to me 
that I can be taken off for bullying, but the guy who gets on my page and really, truly bullies me and is a true bully, those guys can stay. But if I say PETA, you know, PETA's speciesism is a ridiculous, uh, you know, ridiculous thing, then I get banned for bullying. The bias on these on these media platforms is unbelievable. And it's very bold now. And so you you got to remember, you're not there to try to change the minds of these people. You're there to talk to the people who are like, well, maybe maybe there is speciesism. Maybe you really can. Maybe a man really can become a woman. And but they're, and they're not sure, and they're genuinely confused, and they're genuinely listening. Those are the people we're trying to reach. And yeah. you got to keep that in your mind rather than engage with people like this person. Yep. And uh, for those big tech uh, conglomerates, uh, it, they've got to be broken up. It's time for conservatives to take them on. Uh, these tyrants yeah. and uh, those representatives in Washington that are still uh, conservative, Christian or Republican or libertarian, um, they need to go to bat for us and people need to continue to remind them uh, th- this can't go on because there is blatant censorship of one side and you can't have a free republic when you've got a one party Democrat media one party, big tech media conglomerate in social media companies. I worked all talking all the way down to those who hold the servers and who do the, oh, the yeah. behind the scenes stuff. We're just not talking about social media. So Amazon yeah. and, 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 and uh, Facebook and Twitter, and they are censoring speech in America. Heidi, we've just got five minutes left, but I wanted to get to your quick thoughts, uh, even though it was extensive what you put on your website, America, the beautiful you're in trouble uh, share your thoughts. Uh, you ended with this uh, to Donald Trump. I will continue to support President Trump. As I watched him leave on Air Force One, I wished I could hug him and say one thing. Thank you for your service, sir. I am sorry for the shameful way this country treated you from the day you were inaugurated. Some of us saw it for what it was. Heidi, take us through some of the bullet points of this heartfelt blog on your website. Yeah, I I wrote that, I think, the morning after uh, the inauguration of Biden, which I didn't even Mm -hmm. watch because I just I couldn't even stomach it either. And I didn't really even watch the president as he left. I I took the news in a little bit later because it just it it made me so sad. I could hardly breathe that day Mm -hmm. and sad because this was the most pro-life president that we've ever had in the history of our nation. He loved this country. He He does love this country. And we are so blinded by our, um, you know, our dislike for him. And the Christian community, the woke Christian community, and I, I believe I said this, I don't have actually the piece in front of me, Dave. You might actually have to give me some of those points because I don't remember them. But I remember that, that when I wrote that, my heart was breaking just to say, we have made a terrible error. Hmm. And we're going to pay a terrible price for it. Yeah. When I said, America, the beautiful, you're in trouble, I mean it. I don't, I, I'm not, um, and I said, I, I'm grieving. And I, I think, you know, for those of us who are aware that of the administration that's in there now and what they're going to bring in, you know, I don't believe that Joe Biden's even going to live out the four years that he's supposed to be in there. And then we're going to wind up with Kamala and that'll be even a bigger nightmare. Yeah. But we have done this to ourselves. I hope it's a wake up call for the country. I hope it's a wake up call for Christians in particular. All these people who said, you know, orange man bad. I just think I don't like his tweets. I don't like his, the way he interacts with people. Well, now you've got somebody in office who will kill people, literally, uh, starting with the most vulnerable among us. And uh, it's a shameful time for our country, but it's not a time. And I said this, I'm going to grieve for a little while. And then I'm going to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? I live here. I love this country. How can I engage? Show me how to do it. And I think that needs to be a rallying cry of every patriot, every American listening to this. Amen. And instead of uh, going through some of what you shared here, I'm just going to post this in the podcast blog today at standardforthetruth.com. It's called America the Beautiful, You're in Trouble, and you can find it at HeidiStJohn.com slash blog. Heidi, what you just said, a lot of people are feeling the same way uh, you are or you did when we saw this happen, this transition of power, knowing the policies. Let's remove personality for just yes. a little bit and talk about policy, procedure, and what's happening now as far as the new administration, what they're implementing. I, I say unleashing on the country, including abandoning Israel and all the policies. Yes. Trump was so strong on Israel, which as Christians, that should be one of the most important things to us. But we kind yes. of put that all down on the list. But abortion is should be also a big concern. Uh, the, what they're doing in public schools, the transgender orders, uh it's going to affect young teenage girls. 
They're going to be competing against boys now. We've seen it oh, yeah, already. Yeah, they've obliterated yeah. women's sports. Yep. Yep, and more. So yep. let's talk about just how these policies should be our concern. We need to talk about that. It seems like we, we get into personality because of social media. And I know we've just got a couple minutes left, but Heidi, just your encouragement to people and their, where their focus should be right now. Well, I think the focus has always needs to be, and I'm hoping this is a wake-up call, because there were a whole lot of Christians who voted for Biden or a whole lot of Christians who just wouldn't even vote. They wouldn't vote for Trump because they didn't like his personality. It has never been about personality. It's always about policy. Mm. Uh, politics is policy. Politics determines policy. And so we've said for a long time, oh, Christians don't want to get into politics, that dirty, nasty business. Well, when Christians get out of it, guess what happens? Wickedness will fill the void. Mm-hmm. And to me, you know, the, the message, the takeaway of this whole thing needs to be don't give up. This is, this is the Apostle Paul, you know, don't grow weary in well-doing, because if you don't give up in due season, you will reap a harvest of blessing Amen. if you don't give up. And so I'm always telling people, don't give up. Don't be so discouraged by what's happening that you wind up in a fetal position behind your bedroom door. You know, it's better for us to look at this honestly and kind of do an autopsy. What happened? Well, we, we can start by saying this is what happened. We Christians got off of the battlefield, and we decided to sit on the sidelines and watch this stuff play out. And uh, we cannot continue to do that. And so I hope that what happens in the next couple of years, because it is going to be difficult, uh, Joe Biden has already, I mean, in this, his first 10 days in, in office, what do you do, like 40-some-odd uh, executive I orders? 42. He shut down the Keystone Pipeline. Yeah, it, yeah, it's devastating what he's doing. And I'm seeing a lot of uh, buyer's remorse. Yes. On Twitter and other places, people that voted for him and are like, oh, my word, I voted for Biden. And now my daughter can't compete fairly in, in girls sports anymore or my husband lost his job as a union worker. Um, it's going to get worse. We're going to see gas prices go up. We're going to see the abortion industry expand. Uh, Joe Biden is funding abortion now globally. Yep. And so everyone who's listening to this, guess what? Your tax dollars now are funding the murder of the innocent among us. And God will not hold us guiltless for that. And so we have an opportunity, this country very uniquely formed, for ordinary citizens to get involved. You guys, Joe Biden's an ordinary citizen. He's nothing more than an ordinary citizen. Kamala Harris is an ordinary citizen. All these people that are making policies for you right now are just like you. And uh, nothing, there's nothing different, you know, but we've got a government now that has become very much of an, of a, of an aristocratic sort of, or an aristocratic sort of government. And we look at it that way. It's us versus them. That's not the way the founders uh, intended. That's not how the Constitution was framed. That's right. Do your history. Know the Constitution. Get involved. This is a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And it will not work unless the people get involved. Heidi St. John, thank you for getting off the bench and for leading others. We appreciate all you're doing and your encouragement to us. God bless you, sister. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. Talk to you hopefully soon. Thank you, my friend. All right. Bye-bye. Oh, my goodness. When we come back, we'll let you know who our guest is tomorrow. And I've got a great quote from Jay Gresham Machen on Christianity and, and culture when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now, we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. Tomorrow, Pastor Chris Quintana is back with us. And that quote I wanted to share with you from Jay Gresham Machen, he said, The field of Christianity is the world. The Christian cannot be satisfied so long as any human activity is either opposed to Christianity or out of all connection with Christianity. Christianity must pervade not merely all nations, but also human thought. The Christian cannot, therefore, be indifferent to any branch of earnest human endeavor. The church must seek to conquer not merely every man for Christ, but also the whole of man. God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.